covering the Green Bay Packers training camp all summer long. This is CampCast, a Midwest Communications podcast. Hi, this is Sports Director Mark Daniels. Welcome to the Green and Gold CampCast, a podcast covering everything associated with the 2018 Green Bay Packers training camp. Let's get this party started. The Packers preseason has begun as the Tennessee Titans played the Pack in the 58th annual Bishop's Charities game. And with the Titletown District now up and running, the Green Bay Packers will be throwing a party at every home game. This week, the team released details of Titletown Game Day Live, a pregame festival, if you will, encompassing the entire district and all kinds of activities, according to Jackie Krutz, the Titletown Residential and Programs Director. We're kind of a one-stop shop for game day get your live music. We have lots of food and beverages, shuffleboard, ping pong, bocce ball, foosball, horseshoes, all the way to a huge playground football field. Bands play on the plaza between Hinterland Brewery and Lodge Kohler. Activities take place on the playground behind Aaron's Hill and of course the full length turf football field open for a little game before the game. The Titled Town Game Day live activities start four hours before kickoff for each Packer home game. There's a lot of excitement among the rookies who are getting their first taste of NFL action this preseason. There's also one veteran who's thrilled to just be playing football again. Defensive back Dimitri Goodson is entering his fifth NFL season. But against the Washington Redskins, while covering a punt, Dimitri completely blew out his knee. That game was in November of 2016. It took an awful lot of work and plenty of faith, but you can imagine how fired up Goodson is to be finally playing a game again. Caught up with Dimitri in the locker room to talk about his faith-based nearly two-year comeback. How badly you want to play a game? It has been a long time, man. Oh, man, I'm I'm so ready. I'm so ready to play, man. Um, uh, Family night felt good, you know, because it's it's, kind of like a game a little bit. Uh, Games... Games give you that juice too, man. You know, practice is cool. You know, you got to practice and stuff, but game time, man. I'm, I'm ready to go. Jesus loves you, man. Uh, all right, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Were you thinking you'd, I mean, when you went down 16, were you thinking that? Because that was bad. Right? That was, no, it was, it was, was real bad. One of the nastiest I've yeah, ever that seen. Was, that, was, that was one of the nastiest knee injuries, one of them to ever happen. Me and uh, Graham. Is, you know, those those two are probably the hardest ones to come back from. So, you know, I always, always, you know what I'm saying, um, trusting in God throughout the whole process, man, and, you know, just seeing me now being able to play again and, and not just play but to play at, like, a high level and, and to feel good, you know, is, is such a blessing, man. I, I mean, every day I get to practice, you know, um, before I got hurt, you know, I would just kind of not take it for granted but not really take, you know what I'm saying, take the whole thing in. But now... Every day I go out there, you know, it's, it's like, man, this is this is such a blessing to just to, just to be able to play. I know it's a profession, but how can, how can a game mean that much to you? You know what I'm saying? Um, for me, I ain't gonna lie. Get, getting getting hurt kind of changed my whole aspect of this game to me. Now I'm not I'm not playing for myself anymore. You know. I, I'm playing for God and also my family. You know, um, you know, I like, I like, I like love playing the game. And, and one of the things that keep me going is my goals. You know, I have, I have things that I want to do while I'm still playing football that I have to get done. And if, you know, 
and this, you know, when my knee happened, you know, that was that was that was the first thing I thought of. You know, I was like, this isn't gonna stop me because, you know, I have I have goals to check off. So, you know, I just I just keep that, you know, that, that as my like fuel. To Do you think a lot going. of young guys come in saying I want to play this game for me, and then they come to that realization, injured or not, after a couple of years that um, there's a, there's a, there could be a greater purpose. Big time, big time. I, and for me, it's more with Christ. You know. Um, Finding him has, has helped me out through that process, and it actually helps me play better too because it, you know, allows me not to worry about what what really happens out there. You know, God, God, God calls all the shots, so you know, whatever happens is gonna happen. So you know, now it's just you know, I'm just I'm just so grateful. You know, what I mean, to even be out there. So you know, my whole mindset has totally changed from that. He tested you. Oh, big time, big time. Big time, man. And that's another thing, you know, God God always throws you tests. And, you know, some people think that when bad things happen to you, that that that's a bad thing. But for me, I think bad things happen to you for you to overcome it. And then it becomes a lesson and you can learn from it so it makes you stronger. So that's, that's the way I look at it. A great way to look at it from Dimitri, who hopes to be a contributor in the Packer defense coordinated by Mike Pettin. He just might be one of the biggest additions to the team. After getting fantastic results as a defensive coordinator in New York with the Jets and Buffalo with the Bills before becoming a head coach in Cleveland. At a training camp press conference, we learned quite a bit about Petten's scheme and his thoughts about teaching it to his Packers. And if there's a signature style, it might be in the way he utilizes players in very unusual ways. Well, just it's part of the philosophy of the defense that, that we want to do some some unconventional things. I, I, unless you just have dominant talent, you can't line up and just rush your down four and drop your seven and, and bring the traditional guys on pressures. I mean, that's just that's way too cookie cutter. I mean, I, I like to put stress on an offense as far as identifying who the rushers are going to be. Uh, and and w- when the guys do it, they usually enjoy it. Those little guys like, like rushing the passer as long, as long as they don't. As long, as long as they don't get squared up by those those uh, those offensive linemen, but it's I, I think it adds some uh, just some creativity in the room that I think the guys enjoy that we can rotate those jobs week to week. So it's a win for us because guys are engaged and they know, hey, I might not have the best job in this call this week, but I know next week I'm going to be the guy that that might likely be the free runner. Uh, and, and at the same time, that's creating problems for an offense that they can't identify a player as he's always the free safety, he's always the strong. He's always the nickel, whereas when we rotate those jobs, it's it's hard for them to decipher that. They might figure it out, but they, it, it might take till Monday. How much leeway are you giving Joe when it comes to who's going to be in the set? Like he's calling out numbers. Is that just you saying, Joe, is, that's all you on your plate? We talked in the spring, uh, and and I, I told him that that you know, he has the green light to rotate those guys. That that he has the best sense. He and and, and Jason Simmons both have the best sense. As we get closer to the opener, I think that that'll that'll settle down a little bit, mixing and matching, because I, we we want guys to kind of hone in on the position they're likely going to be playing. But at the same time, I've always been about cross training. You only get a certain number of guys up for a game, and if your nickel has played safety, and now all of a sudden you, you there's I don't like to say injury, a guy breaks chin strap, and, and you need to replace him. So all that all that flexibility. But at the same time, you, you don't want to be a you know the cliche jack of all trades, master of none as well. So they got you got to make sure that you're you're hitting that sweet spot between getting them to learn their primary position, but they're cross trained enough that that uh, they can help get you out of a game if need be. Mike, 
for a first year installation of, of a defense, have you had a lot of busted coverages throughout camp, or, or has it been less than maybe what you expected, or about what you expected? We've had some. I mean, that I would say we're, it's probably around the norm, maybe maybe a little bit less. I, I, I credit our guys. I mean, we, we have, a, have a pretty smart group, and, and especially on the back end, that those guys, I mean, we haven't had that many busts that resulted in a, because we're, we're very vertical conscious. So if we're going to bust the coverage, we'd rather be underneath. So we always make sure that, that, that all the deep routes are covered. Uh, and I think for the most part, we've, we've done a pretty good job of that. So um, no, but it's still, still very interested to get to the games, though, to make sure guys can still think clearly. And that's why Family night was such a great experience for us. I know Mike referenced it that it essentially gave us a almost a fifth preseason game type because of the atmosphere and these young guys out there that get a sense of an NFL crowd and what it was like to be in Lambeau under the lights and you know they won't probably won't be as jittery come Thursday as, as maybe they would have been. Two more please. Mike Mike said yesterday that you're gonna be coaching from the press box during the games. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you like about that vantage point compared to downfield? Well, it's a couple things. One, I'm I'm an information guy, so I'll have a lot of information spread out in front of me. When when you're on the sideline, you're usually limited to kind of what you're carrying, and I don't want to be that guy that that uh, that, that looks like he's you know he's he's flipping through a uh, you know a cheesecake factory menu, you know while I'm while I'm, I'm looking for for stuff on defense. So I like to, I spread out a lot of stuff. I like to study in between in between series. So that's just very hard. I found in Buffalo when I called it from the sideline in 2013 that I felt like I was shooting from the hip a little bit too much and regretted. It's like, oh, wow, I wish I'd thought of that. Whereas at least now I can kind of you know, look at the call sheet, cross out what I've called. And that's difficult to do when, when, you're, uh, when you're down on the sideline. So you know, it's, I debated it before. But the fact now that I can call directly, I can speak directly to the linebacker from the press box. That, I mean, that, that really cinched it for me because before in 2013, the reason I wanted to go down was because of the, a lot of teams were going up tempo. So I had to make a call, then it had to be relayed, and I just wanted to remove that step and be on the field. And I had a, I had a rookie linebacker in, in, who was making the calls in, in uh, Kiko Alonso. So it, it made sense then, but, but I've, my, my time in New York, uh, that I, I was always up in the booth and, and was kind of a balance for Rex. But, I think the guys will be happy I'm in the booth. I can be a bit of a hot-blooded Italian every now and again. I think they'd rather me upstairs than ranting and raving on the, on the sideline. So do you miss out, though, on the ability to make a correction with a player? I don't because I have great faith. And uh, Patrick Graham is an outstanding coach. And Joe Witt, I mean, the pass game coordinator, run game coordinator. And we'll have a system when a series is over. The guys will make the run corrections on, on line two, pass corrections on line one, and then they'll get with the players. I would I would maybe hesitate if, if I didn't have great confidence in those guys, uh, but but those are two outstanding coaches and, and if I if I need to get on with a player individually I can pick up the phone or have somebody throw their throw their headset on them, but I just think that the positives of, of being up top and kind of being in that that uh, you know quieter atmosphere where, where there's less emotion and, and gives me access to the information I just think the positives from that out, outweigh. The ability to be down on the field. Mike, going back to your answer about getting free runners, um, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is the president or vice president of your fan club right now, but he's pretty excited about you. And he talked specifically about how your blitzes are designed to actually get home, which he said has not been always the case. Um, that seems self-evident, but I'm wondering 
at what point in your development as a coordinator did you have kind of an aha moment where you had figured out you know what not only your philosophy was but how to execute it i know you've been influenced by a lot of people but mm -hmm. i thought it was really interesting that he went out of his way to, to point that out well i mean that's always been that's always been a big part going back and that, that was from from rex way back when and, and i think where where it's helped me was was over time getting with offensive coaches, especially offensive line guys, and, and getting a better understanding of pa pass protection and what, what, what looks give them stress uh, and, and where we can potentially overload a side without necessarily committing everybody. You know, the, the true cover zero where we're, we're you know, we're, where we just have five in coverage and, 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 every, and, all, and six are coming, uh, we don't play a lot of that. We, we like to do it every so often just so the quarterback knows at some point during the game I mean, I'm definitely going to have, we're going to bring one more than, than uh, they can protect with. But overall, I, we, we want to find the, the best of both worlds where we can still play, a, you know, maximum coverage and still scheme to, to, to get a free runner. So it's just the, it's part of the fabric of the defense. Uh, and, and it goes back to the variety of, of kind of bringing some unconventional players. And it, like I said, it keeps it interesting for the guys, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. That's defensive coordinator Mike Pettin. Rig and Lindsay from Iowa. How is it that Packer fans landed in Iowa? Uh, we gotta follow the uh, follow the Iowa boys. You're missing a shirt. You know that. I know. I left it back in the car or something like that. Tr know. Trying to get a tanner and impress the ladies. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, in my defense, I am wearing a sweatshirt. Uh huh. It is. All right. Show the ladies your sweatshirt. Can we get in on that? Can we get a real close up of it? There we go. All yeah, right. eyes are up here, ladies. Thank you. This video just turned into something it wasn't intended to be. Do you feel weird that you're wearing Titans jerseys at a Green Bay Packer game now that you live here? Not a bit. Wearing it loud and proud. Got to support the wife, so I'm wearing both today. If he didn't support you and wear this jersey, where would he be sleeping tonight? I'd still let him stay. Hey, what's your name, dude? My name is Carrie Fisher. I uh, I have to ask you, Carrie Fisher, are you serious? Yeah, yeah, like Princess Leia, but I was reincarnated as a, a man wearing full suit of yellow with the man bun. I 100%. Okay, Carrie Fisher, by the way, I love that you're wearing gold. I wish it was the bikini. So the sign says I'm a mermaid. What does that even mean? I'm a mermaid, don't you get it? Okay, guys, so obviously the Titans are playing the Packers today. Woo! So you're wearing your Titan gear. What is with the Browns gear? Hey, I'm supporting my friend Kim, who grew up in Wisconsin, but now lives in Nashville. I will say the Packers are my NFC team. So go Pack Go. Well, everybody's great in Green Bay. I come here for work. Fantastic. From the and then the everywhere. transportation, Super. the bus, everything. Wonderful. The hotels treat you like you're just their neighbors. Yeah, everything's wonderful. Amazing. Yeah, it's a beautiful city. Lambo's beautiful. Everyone's so friendly. So you decided to rock the whole uniform today. Yep. Are they snug? Do you, do no, you they're, feel? They're comfy. I, I did yard work in them last week, and I'm like, this is great. This is perfect. I'm comfy. It's it's a beautiful day out today. I don't need to wear a jersey. My jersey's on Dad Authentic, so I don't got the breathing room. You know? It's all right. It looks you know? good. I like the gold on gold. This yeah, is yeah. good, man. Have the ladies, have you been able to keep them away from you? Because I feel like in that outfit, it's got to be hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's tough work. I got a lot of uh, um, horns honking on Lombardi Ave and uh, do, doing what I can. But, uh, you know, a lot of high fives from the boroughs and... Uh, well, I'm from California, originally from Wisconsin, so I got Packers in my blood. 
but I've been in California since 92, so you know, I had to have a little California theme here, a little California cheesehead West Coast Lambo with a palm tree on top. And they're eight years old today. Is your first ever Packers game? Yes. How excited are you? I'm really happy. This was his big present. This is like his everything. So it was really nice for me to be able to do it for him. How often do you guys have to take photos? Because I feel like you can't walk more than two feet without people wanting to snap one. Well, you noticed that too. Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, we, we get asked that a lot. And uh, over the past 22 years, we did some quick math a couple of years ago and figured that you could not possibly hold the num that number of people in Lambeau Field. Give me a P! Next up, another familiar face paid a call on Packers training camp. Welcome back to the Green and Gold Campcast. Mark Daniels here at Nitschke Field with Charles Davis of Fox Sports. Charles, welcome to town. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's great to be here. You've been here for games. You've been here for practices. But you were telling me this is the first time you've really kind of done the whole training camp thing. What would you take in today? Uh, it's just it's everything you've heard and then some. You know, we've heard about the guys coming over on the bicycles with the kids. But until you see it live and you see the formation for them and how organized it is and, and the kids beaming. I mean, these kids, are, they're so psyched up. But also see the players smiling and taking it in. And, of course, the crowd of people in the stands long before practice began is, is, is the mecca of football in the NFL in a lot of ways. You know, that's been talk. I think ever since Ron Wolf was here about trying to move free agents, he said, if you come to Green Bay, it really is nothing but football. And the way they've built this place up, everything they possibly could need or want yeah, right here within a block. You're exactly right. It revolves around it. I mean, how many places do you know? I mean, you go around the league, the, your neighborhood, and there's the stadium, yeah. right? And then you cross the street from the stadium, and there's the practice facility. And it's all built into the community, and everything revolves around it. It's really pretty impressive in so many ways, like, like a lot of the major colleges. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk about this 2018 edition. What do you think? Well, it's, it's the Green Bay Packers. You got Aaron Rodgers back healthy, change on defense with Mike Pettin coming in, and of course, addition of some players. It's a heck of a division, the NFC North. Normally, we're always talking about, okay, who's going to run down the Packers? Now it's who's going to run down the Vikings. The Bears quietly will tell you they're going to be much better this year, and the defense was pretty good last year. And Detroit, under new management, Matt Patricia, they've got to continue to build a dogfight division. I think Minnesota Green Bay, they lead the division right now until further notice, but they definitely are going to get run at by Chicago and Detroit. I think there's probably only six or seven teams that could say this, but even with several teams with starters, it's a struggle. But when you lose a starter like Rodgers, you saw what happened. Yeah, and it's, look, I, I'm 53, okay, so I'll just date myself a little bit. I don't pretend to be the oracle of everything football, but I have a pretty good football historical knowledge. I don't think the game has ever been more quarterback-centric than it is now, where everything revolves around the quarterback, where everything, your success, because you remember the days where you could kind of play around the quarterback a little bit. I don't think you can and, and, and win Super Bowls anymore. Your quarterback has to play well. Otherwise, forget. Look at Nick Foles. He was nails in the Super Bowl. People thought he couldn't do it, but he was nails, and they helped win a game. You know, it's kind of come full circle back when I started watching these guys, Bart Starr called his own plays. Right. All those, Bradshaw called his own plays. Now the run pass option, quarterback seeing things at the line of scrimmage, they have the opportunity to just delve into their brain and find the matchup. Yeah, I, I think about that statement you just made there. 
And I think somewhere Paul Brown is saying, yeah, I think I'm kind of responsible for where we are now. Because quarterbacks did call their own plays. If, if there was one thing that Otto Graham, one of the all-time great quarterbacks for Cleveland, ever chafed about, it's the fact he couldn't call his own plays because Paul Brown did it. And then everyone else started doing it. But you're exactly right. We've come full circle. Aaron Rodgers is that guy in the field. They may send in plays. They may send in concepts. But ultimately, he gets to decide what gets triggered. All right, so here's a million dollar. Well, let's make that multi-million dollar question here, Charles. <laughs> in today's day. Uh, yeah, no, right? how... Or when, let's put it that way, and how should Rogers' contract get done and be structured? Oh, listen, I'm not about to play a GM, but it's Aaron Rodgers. It'd be hard not to figure out a way <laughs> to get this thing done. Well, I don't all those trial balloons about let's doing something a little more creative. Yeah, whatever yeah. it is, whatever he's going to find a way to be happy. But everyone understands that Green Bay is on a run of Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers that you just don't want to end until it has to end. And I have a feeling everyone in Green Bay understands that. <laughs> Brian Gutekunst and the rest of that crew, they'll figure this thing out. He's got some new weapons. I mean, he's got Devontae and Randall back, but no Jordy. Jimmy Graham's in the mix. Three rookie wide receivers. Yeah. You know, Aaron has talked a lot about, again, creating matchups. How do you think they'll survive without Jordy and, and move on with him? Well, it's tough, obviously, because Jordy gives you that safety blanket, that dependability that you know where he's going to be on any given snap and how he will even adjust. Aaron's got to learn that with these young kids, but the beauty is he gets to kind of direct them towards a lot of it. If these kids are smart, and I have a feeling that they are, they're spending as much time around him, soaking up as much, you know, darn near going home with him if they have to, to try and absorb what they need to to get on this field and play faster and give themselves a chance. And that's the good thing. In a lot of ways, it helps rejuvenate a quarterback, doesn't it? It does. You know? yeah. Aaron, Aaron now gets to say, okay, I can control some of the fate here, and off they go. The age gap, he talks about it. I mean, <laughs> you know, we saw it with Favre, too. He was, you know pushing 40 and it's 20 yes. somethings and now Aaron's in that same boat yeah and it's funny how it works out too because I, as I said before I'm 53 so I was at the Tennessee Titans camp the other day and they have a young man by the name of Spillane who's trying to make the team as a linebacker and I said oh, I wonder if they ever called you Mickey and the kid looked at me like what huh and I realized it's a dated reference you know and no one's gonna do kids his age have no idea who Mickey Spillane is right I mean so so I have to remember those sorts of things I'm sure Aaron's going through some of that as well stuff he thinks is just normal the kids are like what what are you talking about but that's what you do and I'll bet you a lot of ways Aaron's also meeting them halfway learning some new things getting you know more in tune with what they are that sort of thing and moving on from there yeah great there was a lot of talk in the offseason about Packers really didn't address the pass rush, but I contend, and you mentioned Mike Pettin, mm -hmm. I think that's how they address the pass <laughs> rush. You've seen this guy. Coach. Yeah, you're exactly right, because Mike will scheme his way into things, and you may look up and talk about certain players that haven't had many sacks before or hadn't had great pass rush before, and you may be talking about somewhere around game five, six, hey, look at the production we're getting out of this guy, where Mike will scheme them into plays, and if they just allow the scheme to happen, all of a sudden, they might they might get a chance to eat themselves. Kind of like Adrian Claiborne, although that was a little different last year right. with Atlanta, where he got, what, eight, nine sacks for the year, six of them in one game. <laughs> I don't think we're looking at that. But Michael, Michael schemes some guys, and we'll have a few more guys on the map. So, black and blue is going to be pretty well bruised up, do you think, then, by the end of this 2018 season? I don't see any way out of it because it's not just – 
old rivalries and what have you. But Minnesota is big across the offensive front and wants to run the football now. You saw how much they improved. Remember, they were dead last in rushing two years we ago. Just saw, uh, and you Pete saw that. Cook, right, and, Pete, and he didn't even really get yeah. going last year. So they'll want to get back to running the football. Matt Patricia in Detroit, defensive guy, he's going to want to run the ball. And Detroit hasn't run the football since... It feels like Barry Sanders. Yeah, you might right? be right. Yeah. And Chicago with Matt Nagy and Mark Helfrich, a lot of attention on, of course, developing Mitchell Trubisky. But what did they start with? Jordan Howard, back-to-back 1,000-yard season. So I think this is the type of division people want to run it. There'll be a lot of collisions <laughs> in this forward. division. I look forward to it. Thanks for the time, Charles. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. That's Charles Davis of Fox Sports. CampCast, a Midwest Communications podcast.